I'm Danica Juarez. And I'm Jan James. And this is How's It Hold Up? Hi, I'm Danica. And I'm Jan. And I'm Valerie. And today we watched The King and the Mockingbird, a French film uh, that we watched with English subtitles. This film is... I relate it to The Thief and the Cobbler in that it was a bit of an auteur flick by someone who cared a lot about animation, but the film was left not complete, and then he kept trying to complete it over like 30 years. But then, unlike Thief and the Cobbler, he actually finished it. (laughs) Um, So it's a success story, I guess, compared to The Thief and the Cobbler's uh, tragedy. So who would like to give a brief spoiler fill? Spoiler. Spoiler fill? (laughs) Filled with spoilers. That's great. That's great. Amazing. That's great. Spoiler free plot synopsis. Oh, man. No spoilers, babe. (laughs) I agreed to do a spoiler filled plot synopsis. Nope. Nope. Wow. Bait and switch over here. (laughs) I've changed the deal. I pray I don't alter it further. Okay. Uh, (laughs) All right. I will try. Um, okay, so this is a story that takes place in the kingdom of Tachycardia, where a king uh, rules over a a nation that it took me a bit to realize like it is it is uh, not like a sprawling city, but a kind of towering a towering city. So like there's buildings that go up, and then you find that there's um, stuff below, um, and so this king hates his people and they hate him too. He is a hunter, but not a very good one as you see. Uh, Cause he's got cross eyes. Yes. Um, so in this kingdom, besides his, his like henchmen and stuff like that. And the people, there is a, a mockingbird who takes great pleasure in making fun of this King. Uh, he has uh, four little children. And we also see that his, uh, wife has passed in a hunting accident, uh, presumably by the, killed by the king. So the story is about this, this king who loves, um, in his like secret apartment, he, he adores this painting of this shepherdess who sits catty corner to the painting of a chimney sweep. And one night, well, it seems like every night the shepherdess and chimney sweep, uh, talk and get to know each other and enjoy each other's company while the king sleeps. Well, one day there's a a portrait of the king gets created, and that night, that portrait, who also loves the shepherdess, decides that he will marry the shepherdess. So the uh, shepherdess and the chimney sweep run away. The portrait, who has deposed the king himself, wants to capture them and marry the uh, shepherdess. Uh, and yes, we follow the the two lovebirds who are running away through the kingdom, and lovebirds <laughs> aided by a literal bird. Yes, lovebirds aided by the mockingbird through the kingdom, and and hopefully, hopefully they succeed to get away. Yeah, they're trying to get out, and he doesn't want that. Yep. What did we think of this movie? Without spoilers, 
No spoilers. (laughs) Despite what I said earlier. I think I liked it overall. It was very interesting and different and weird, but weird in a good way. And yeah, so I have lots of feelings. And overall, I think I liked it. (laughs) Yeah, interesting story, visually stunning. Uh, The style was so, so interesting. And what they did with the setting and the kingdom. Uh, Loved that. It was it was th- mostly wordless, so the language barrier wasn't that big of an issue. Yeah, the most talkative one I think was the Mockingbird. Yeah, I yeah I think ov- overall I enjoyed it. I I think we'd probably benefit from another watch just to know since I know what I'm in for. Yeah, because so much of the movie it was spent just like what is this? Yeah. What is ha- what is yeah. this gonna be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, like it comparing it to Thief and the Cobbler. Yeah, like the story is just wholly more competent. Yeah. Or, or it get or, it, it gets yeah, it gets where it wants to go. You're there with it. Yeah. As opposed to the like uh released version which is there's there's things obviously missing or there's things that are not hitting the mark. And as opposed to the recobbled version which you can you see where it wants to go, but not just the lacking of animation, but like some of those decisions are like, wow, I'm not about this. Like, yeah, I think this. Uh, I think that the issue with Thief and the Cobbler is that the artist gets in his own way, not willing to like compromise on kind of his vision, mm-hmm. even though his vision is very, what's the word? self-indulgent and it feels like this movie certainly has has parts that feel a little self-indulgent but overall feels like he's not allowing that to get in the way of telling the story he wants to tell and most importantly completing the movie because yeah. <laughs> like I think that Thief and the Cobbler can be more visually spectacular, certainly. Mm -hmm. Like, you have those scenes where, like, the whole background is moving and, like, there's the patterns that are, like, make it look trippy and all sorts of, like, there's a lot of very interesting things done. But the fact that he kept wanting to do that all the time made him not finish the movie. (laughs) And, like, ultimately those scenes aren't saying anything about the plot or the characters. They're just wow, this animation looks dope, you know? And, like, we have parts, plenty of parts in this movie that are like, wow, this animation looks dope, and yet it still is a completed movie that tells a completed story. Yeah, and the plot keeps moving forward. Yeah. And it's interesting that you should, that you both did the comparison to Thief and the Cobbler, because that's the first thing that popped in my mind, even though visually, it, it, I mean, it's not like they were the same or same style. Sure of even the characters or anything else, but that's the first thing because it's so, I don't know if this is the right word, avant-garde. I mean, it's just, it's just beautifully stunning, but very, very stylized and yeah. French touch. Um, That's enough for like, yeah. So, so I, I think I recommend it. Um, It's very interesting. I think, I think it's worth a watch. It's not that long either. It's like an hour and a half, I think ish. Let me have some fun facts before we get specific. <laughs> well, you guys keep complaining that I say let's get specific and then do fun facts. No, you can do let's get specific. Okay, fine. Let's get specific. 
You're right. That feels right. (laughs) So let's talk about production troubles. Begun in 1948 as La Burgerie et le Ramoneur, The Shepherdess and the Chimney Sweep, uh, loosely based on the fairy tale of the same name by Hans Christian Andersen, the film was a collaboration between Grimaud and popular French poet and screenwriter uh, Jacques Prévert. It was highly anticipated, but in 1950, the film was taken out of their control, and subsequently, the expense of the film caused the failure of the studio. Uh, Grimaud's partner, André Sarut, the producer, then released the film unfinished in 1952 against Grimaud and Prévert's wishes, which caused a rift between partners and they went their separate ways. In 1967, Grimaud regained possession of the film and spent the next decade trying to finance a new version under his supervision. By 1977, he had arranged financing, and thus the film was completed over the two-year period of 77 to 79. In 1980, over 30 years after initial production commenced, the finished film was finally released. It had a new title, Le Roy et Leocio, uh, The King and the Mockingbird. Thank you. To make clear the distinction from the earlier version, and shortly after the death of Prevert, to whom the film is dedicated. Oh, after. Uh, yes, it released after. Aww. Yes, Aww. unfortunately. Um, the completed film uses 42 of the 62 minutes of the 1952 footage, and at 87 minutes includes significant new animation, completely different music, and a very different, more symbolic ending. Wow. I don't know if I could tell you which was the original and which was the new. I mostly can't. I can when it comes to lions, let's say. Oh, sure. Which I'll talk more about in animation. Okay. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I think I think for the most part, the new animation blends well with the old. Uh, I feel like there are a couple of parts, particularly in probably the last third or fourth, that have noticeably uh, worse animation in certain shots than the rest of the film. Um, But overall it it meshes quite well. And I, again, I think it's better to have not as good animation as the rest of it, but still completing the thing rather than not finishing the animation. Yeah. Agreed. But he did get to see the completed thing, right? Oh yeah. It wasn't really good. Because that would really be tragic. No, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he oversaw it and everything. Okay. Um, yeah, it was just his poem partner, poetic partner or whatever, Prevert, who didn't, the, uh... I say, yeah, he was a French poet. Oh, okay. Who, who who collaborated with the original production or whatever. Is is that the one that died? Yes. Oh, okay, got it. So, yeah, let's, let's talk some specifics about um, story characters. Um, the bird likes hats, and I think yeah. that's fun. <laughs> yeah. He, like, has his main hat, but he also has a nightcap. So it's like, he, he likes hats. And he dons another hat in the film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you something else. I was very happy. I was very worried when I first saw the bird that it was going to sound like they do minstrels and that it was going to go that route because sometimes, you know, much of this animation, uh, just like the crows in, in, uh, in Dumbo, I, I mm, thought that's the, that's see, the direction they were going to go. And I was very worried. And then when, and the, when the mockingbird, guy. yeah. And then when the mountain, yeah. When the mockingbird started speaking, it was like, Oh, good. Okay. Um, and then the yeah, world, that's an, that's an interesting I was that's worried. Not, that's not where my mind went. I thought more of some of the birds that um that are in Don Bluth movies. Like there's oh, okay. yeah, there's like the one in American American Tale and 
Yeah, I don't know. I thought more of his birds for some but, reason. But I want to say one of the birds in, in Dumbo looks similar. Oh, I'm not large, saying you're like, wrong. I'm just yeah. saying that's not where my mind went. But I can, yeah, saying that I can see how you would get there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the world, this world was so interesting and bizarre. I mean, it was a gorgeous kingdom and then... Then that elevator that like went forever and was just like on a stick, but that could seem to seemingly access anywhere in the kingdom. And then, yeah, as the kingdom, as it's one very of the times, vertical. I know, was going up all the different levels and where it said it was, uh, part of the city. Just interesting. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's also interesting that this is apparently just a world where art can be living. And there's not really any explanation for that ever. And I think yeah. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I kept thinking there was going to be a consequence or, a, you know, or something that would make it not be a No, living, they're just people no. who were in paintings and now they're not in paintings. Yeah, yeah. And then later they're in a room with a bunch of statues and none of them move or anything. So it's like, I don't know what the rules are here, but all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's yep. go with it. Yep. Because then, because just to clarify, because we do have a statue, it's not like it's just paintings. There's a statue that's in the same room as as the paintings that the people come out of that also like talks and moves and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what the rules are, but whatever. Uh, why does that statue apparently have the authority to to marry different paintings i don't understand yeah he's he's like um you and the king are gonna get married i decree i decree that that's happening tomorrow and i'm like decree who are you yes but also he's like you can't get out of here like from my experience no one can yeah they proceed to and then he's like where did those guys go and he's like from my experience they got away (laughs) but from my experience I mean, they're probably not going to get that far. They're young. And, so, and yeah, he just keeps his bit is funny. <laughs> the longer it goes on, the funnier it is. I I, I think overall, I wish I knew that the, one of the things too, so, so many interesting movements and and facets of this world. One of them is, you know, like bumper cars in, in uh, amusement <laughs> parks where there's the thing from the car, some kind of electrical rod, and then it and it touches the electricity on the ceiling, and that's what propels it forward. Well, the king can do that and go all over the kingdom with something except from his throne. He's sitting on his throne, and he can go all around like like you can do that in, in, the, in those cars. And then... He can randomly make a square underneath where someone is standing, open up and dump them somewhere. And we, I guess they die because the characters, we never see them again. And it just opens up. And at one point, but this guy did get away. One of his police officers. But only because he didn't fall all the way down. Because he used his umbrella. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So interesting, but he was, but he was running, he was trying to avoid the square that would open and seemingly just about any square on the ground could open up. So it's like, he has a button. It's not like he's moving a thing and yet pushing the button moves where the square goes. I know. It's just like, what are the rules with this? And again, (laughs) so that means any panel anywhere that you walk could open up at any time. It sure seems like. How would that be? You know, that's interesting. That's how he constructed this kingdom. I guess so. Yeah, that was that was definitely very funny because they they don't show that in the beginning. So you can like he does just like press buttons, drop people, and so me it's like is it a certain button drops a certain place, and he just 
has to know. Okay. But then you get to the scene where he just keeps pressing it. And no matter where the guy starts to move, like the floor knows where he's, he is or was. Yeah. And attempts to drop him. Yeah. So I'm yeah. like, oh, interesting. It just, it just appears where you are. Well, that's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so not that long into the movie, the king that we've been following gets just dumped and the new the, the painting that was made of him that is not cross-eyed takes over. And like I kept wondering throughout the film if we were gonna see the old king again. And slight spoilers, nope. <laughs> I He's know. just gone. And yeah. like, what does this mean? Like is there symbolism here? What does so. this mean? I, th- I think of just like, it doesn't, either it doesn't matter, or like when you construct something this way, people don't really have the authority or incentive to question whether this person is who they say they are, or like, you can be removed and somebody else can easily slip into your place without, without, again, question. Yeah. Interesting. Well, what fascinated me about that, several things, is is the, the guy, the king from the painting, seemed to know everything about the kingdom because he could operate the same way. So he had He's just that knowledge. guy, but better. And well, and, and no one, a again... Smaller. A little smaller. They, they seemed, they emphasized multiple times that the king hated everyone and everyone hated him, yet they're constantly pacifying him. So even though, for example, when at the beginning, when it was still the real king, he's shooting and do and missing horribly. They're all like, oh, bravo, you're wonderful, you know, shot and the same with the wedding, you know, just all of that. They're, they're all trying to, you know, just be supportive and like, yay, king and all that good stuff. But no one again notices that now the king is no longer cross-eyed. He's much shorter. One thing that worried me is when it was the painting king and he was no longer cross-eyed, was he going to be able to, was he going to have an interest in shoot the birds and now be a good shot? You know, I didn't know. Fortunately for the birds, he was too focused on wanting the shepherdess back. Also, he has a giant robot that he eventually gets to commandeer. And I just want to point out that that robot has really fine motor detail. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's like... It's really, it's able to, like, it moves really slowly and stuff, but it's it's capable of really fine, like, picking, picking up. things up and doing things delicately. Mm-hmm. I appreciate mm-hmm. that construction. Oh, another interesting thing about the kingdom is they had, like, a waterway system. Yeah. They had, you know, and in, in, in that sense, it reminded me of, you know, if you think about it, uh, isn't it Paris that you have the, the gondolas, or you can, they have the different waterways? It's not Paris, it's Venice. Oh, Venice. Venice. You're right, you're right. What am I thinking? Yeah, Venice. But but they had waterways like that, and then I like the, the boat things. Again, yeah, little they, things they that could, they rode. Yeah, they could power. I mean, it was interesting. All the different locomotion and the yeah. different, yeah, things where they could just get around anywhere. He's like, I don't walk. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He was. Yeah. Either on a moving throne, on a thing, you know, in the waterways. Yeah. I think it was interesting, character-wise, the original king versus the painting king. And his puppy, who yeah. I wasn't sure if he liked his dog, but at the beginning, it it seems, I think the king liked his dog, and I think that was one big indicator of the difference, was not that the painting king hated the dog, didn't but he didn't care. care. Yeah. And so that was, that was interesting. I think so, yeah. So, it, yeah, it kind of is the, 
original king slightly more sympathetic than if he cares about a puppy? I don't know. I don't know. He's gone now anyways, but... That's true. I don't know. And the puppy did not like the new, the fake king. No. Back to the robot. In the <laughs> in its chest, it, a door oh. could slide open and it just had like a whole musical theater thing in there that it could play. Um, and I liked that there, the, there's like the conductor guy in the middle that has like a wheel that he can move. He can change the switches to different like tempos and types of playing music um, yes. that will then affect how the music sounds and i really loved that yeah i mean this was such an interesting and wacky world because it almost had steampunk yeah. elements yeah and that was one of the ones that kind of reminded me of that but yet it was not grungy at all i mean it was just like beautiful it you know you could believe it, it, it looks spotless you know all the places that you know they were in in the kingdom and all even the outside surfaces and everything just looked beautifully you know spotless yeah definitely the top but i can't recall if the bottom wasn't spotless or just it was more dim it's dimmer bottom, and like kind of more it felt more run down and stuff yeah 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 yeah, yeah i mean that was interesting Seeing the people, so like at the top, it again, it felt like there was only the people, the king's like guards and servants and stuff, and, and maybe like some, aristocrats. Yes, but not not very many, uh, as opposed to within, I guess what they call the citadel, the um, the shepherdess and the chimney sweep escape down there, and like they have the interesting like gates closing as they get lower and lower. After the uh, Mockingbird talked about, like, being careful not to get run into any traps and they immediately just get, you know, trapped down there. Um, but there's, like, lots of people down there, but they don't know what the sky looks like, what animals, like, what they look like if they exist. Um, and they're like kind of personified by a blind man yeah. who's, like, kind of the main character of them that we keep seeing. But... He doesn't seem to be any worse off than them in terms of not, like, knowing anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they don't even, correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't even seem to know that a kingdom exists above them and that there's a king and all. They don't talk about that. I'm they not don't, sure. Yeah, yeah, they don't seem to know. Clear. Yeah, they don't seem to know there's a world above them. Yeah, and it's hard to say. I guess the, for, for... Is would you say they are below the prisoners who are working or the working people? The the I like peasants or whatever? Yeah. Probably just in that they there seems to be so little care about them. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's hard to say, but but yeah, like definitely the the governing structure is meant for the top and then the people below you are just forgotten or exploited. Yeah. Well, okay. Interesting that you use that word. They don't seem to make them make a product for them or work. So in that sense, they're just completely left alone. And, you know, again, they don't, I never heard any of them seem to make reference to anything with the kingdom or anything else. So they're not having, they're not, it doesn't seem, seem like they're having to give up a portion of whatever they, they make for themselves to survive. Yeah, I don't know. It's... Yeah, I, I would say they are forgotten. Yeah. But then you have people who are in prison or that are making, like, 
there are scenes of industry and it is all just creating images of the king, be it statues, be it paintings or like busts or something that get painted. Like it is all just towards the king's ego. Yes. Uh, and that seemed to have existed before painting king. Like that is just what this kingdom turns out. And then for what, I guess, to just go back to the top and stroke this guy's ego. Pretty much. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know for the people below if what they even get. Like, I guess you don't see them, like, completely starving or dying or something like that. But they they do not have kind of an education of what is what exists out there. And I guess part of it is to so they don't know what they can do. You could say that they're trapped in their own cage of ignorance yes. and darkness. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, it is interesting that their representation is a blind man. So he later gets thrown to the lions. Yep. But it's okay because he pacifies them with his beautiful music. Yes. Which we were very happy to see because he gets thrown to the lions and he's like hanging on a, uh, his shirt like it's caught on, on the tree that's in the middle of the lion pen or whatever. And then we don't see him for a while. But the next time we see him, it turns out that he's fine and he pacified the lions. Yeah. I was very happy to see that. <laughs> yes. He's, he's a pretty chill guy. Yeah, I know. I, I really, I really like, I really like him. The musician, the blind musician. For the um, chimney sweep and the shepherdess they're pretty pretty much blank slates like they get they get into trouble and they just call out for the mockingbird each time they're like uh we're we're dumb babies like can you help (laughs) us pretty much (laughs) um yeah the the movie doesn't really seem to be about their agency so much as them being trapped and trying to escape yeah in the beginning though they you get time with them to to see their wonder and their like oh this is what the sky is and like oh you know why does it rotate the bird it's like oh the earth is round and they're like oh why because it spins and they're like oh why does it spin because it's round yeah it's like thanks (laughs) super helpful well i also see a parallel with them having been in the painting and ignorant of the world and what the wider world was with the people in the citadel not knowing what's it's the wider all, it's world. It's cages all the way down. That's exactly, what I'm telling you. Yeah. Everyone's got to escape their cage. Exactly. Yeah. Whether it's a painting or being stuck in this cavern below the city proper. Or, or the a, city itself, honestly. Or being a bird trapped. In, in, a, a, in a literal cage, yes. Yep. Yes, because the, uh, the mockingbird... His little children, he has one little, and I think it was a son. Yeah, he says son at one point. A son that daily, and maybe multiple (laughs) times a day, keeps going into the traps because he likes, I guess, the fruit. They look like grapes, but he keeps getting caught in a trap again and again and again. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Makes me wonder, though, where we're on the ceiling and the... I don't know if there's a name for those kind of roofs, but it's it's it has it's very pointy, but then it slopes down, and there's not much of a purchase. But somehow, someone's putting the traps up there on that, that precarious, not even an edge, because it looks like again, it can just 
you know, fall off. And that's yeah. that's where one of the cages that the little bird keeps getting caught in. Like so. two, because he gets caught there a second time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it makes me wonder who, who got there, who put that cage there. I don't know. <laughs> Probably one of the bat guards. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Do we want to talk about oh. animation so that we can just talk more about yes, some of the, yes. the weirdness in here? Yes. Sure. Okay, here, here's fun facts first, though. Some footage is cut. Uh, such as the bird taking over the role as announcer at the wedding and the original ending. Uh, The new footage includes both entirely new scenes and changes to existing scenes. For example, in the completed film, the initial scenes of the king practicing target shooting and having his portrait painted are new, while the scene of the king shooting at the baby bird, which falls between these two, was from the 1952 footage. Hmm. Um, the differences between the old and new animation are visible at some points in a single scene, most notably in the lion pit, where the lions are drawn in two very different styles. Yes. The simpler, more abstract lions are the new animation. Um, and I would almost argue that there's more than two styles going on there sometimes. They're, the lions look crazy sometimes. Like, they just... it's sure. It's so... It just varies so wildly. Like, it's just not this the same style at all to where you're like, are these, nope, these are the same lions. Okay, sure. And, and tigers, I guess. There's also, and a bear at one point. The bear's very good. Love the bear. And actually one, at least one panther. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. There was a panther in there. Mm -hmm. I really do love that bear though. It's so big and fluffy and like droopy fur and stuff. Love it. Yeah. Good bear. Yeah. Yeah, the, The design of the kingdom itself, like you've kind of already talked about, is just really neat, like really stark, gigantic ornate like it feels mm-hmm. like it's so spacious um and the elevator like is retro futuristic and there's other aspects including especially the robot that feels really retro futuristic like kind of what people thought the future would look like rather than obviously what it has turned out to be um yeah it's yeah, yeah. it's really captivating i yeah. would say and and even the architecture reminds me it is so gorgeous and ornate. Sometimes, you know, the modern like infinity pools, even though there weren't pools, that look where it looks like it's just going to drop off the edge, whatever. There were yeah. so many of the scapes, especially when they panned back out, that that had that that beautiful, sleek, modern kind of look. But yet it was it was more of an older or, you know, again, reminiscent of like maybe a cathedral or whatever, you know, but uh, columns and things architecture so it was just a really neat mix and i want to go back to something that you said earlier too is that you relate it to steampunk but that it's it doesn't feel like dirty or anything it's very sleek and and yeah i'm I'm thinking of another french film that we saw um what alice and april extraordinary adventure yeah sure sure sure. that has like a lot of uh steampunky stuff and that world does feel a lot grimier and the difference is that that world is very lived in whereas this is not like Mm -hmm. it's it looks so sleek and stark and spacious because there's nothing in it it's a whole bunch of opulence for this one man's ego but it's not a space that people live in it's Mm -hmm. not a space that like has the effects of anything upon it because so much of it is barely used Mm -hmm. which is which really accentuates the king our our main character here like just really accentuates 
this world he's created and how it's not a world that's meant for anyone else. Yeah. yeah, it's almost even like, okay, sorry, thinking of like Ella's castle and kingdom in Frozen or some of these where you have a uh, you have a character, whether it's a villain or a, a hero in their own kingdom, which they're almost the only one in there other than servants. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for the, the kingdom, to me, it looked like the the buildings were kind of a mishmash of different styles as yes. you go up levels. So I don't know if it's like intimating as they build up, they're like maybe changing styles or it's done at the whim of the king. I think that. Or that's what I would or think. it's through time of like maybe the previous king. Because also mm. his title. Yes. Oh, that was we gotta discuss that. It was <laughs> like his title is like king. the Roman numeral the Roman numerals and you just keep adding and yeah, it you ends like up. Keep it was add, hilarious. It's like king ten eight plus, plus eight yeah. plus like it keeps yeah, adding it's it. Funny. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, I think so I think that it, and I think we've seen paintings of past kings and stuff. So yes, I think it's very much like just a thing that keeps being built upward by these rulers that doesn't care about the actual people and that is just at the whim of however they want it to be as it just goes up and up and up. The shape of the elevator was so neat. And then on that pole, and, and I can't, I know I've seen that shape somewhere it's just before. just like a rocket ship. Uh, but okay. But, but yeah, even, awesome. but, but it was ornate in one, you know, in one sense. And then again, it just amazed me because it was on almost like, um, what do you call it? Like at the state fair, like the, uh, the, um, the, like a spindle thing, but, but the elevator goes up like in something like I that. Don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what you would call it. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, it just goes up on that pole. Oh, real quick, too, is I was thinking of this. You know how the king, what I found found so funny is he has this private place that, again, even the servant, the poor servant that brought him up there, he drops into a pit. He's like the operative word is is secret, secret, and then he drops him. But then he's staring again at his this painting that he loves of the shepherdess. And again, on the wall next to it, he has the, the chimney sweep. Why the did painting, he keep the, the painting there? The painting was in the room and we did not see him. Did he, was he the one? I don't think he was carrying it. Who brought that in there? Someone oh, okay, else knows uh, the secret. Oh, he probably dropped him later. Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, oh, sorry. Please continue. No, no, no. But what I found so funny is he has things in the, in here in this room that he's choosing. Why, if he is so disgusted with the chimney sweep, why did he have that painting in there? Who knows? <laughs> and next to the painting that he loves so much. Because, you know, he stares, he stares at the shepherdess and then he looks over and glares at the chimney sweep. Again, you could move the painting, dude. If you don't like yeah, that guy, I don't know. move the painting. Yeah. I don't know. It's so funny. Silly. Um, I I like when we went into the darkness and there was that one guy hiding in the shadows with the <gasps> prominent nose and yes. Valerie said, Wario. <laughs> <laughs> he did kind of have a Wario vibe with that nose and the mustache. Yeah. And then he just blends right back into the wall. That was yeah. awesome. Oh, when we were wondering if he, if the original king, the real king, whatever, uh, like the dog. I love it where then they, he's in his bed and then you see this little bed for the, the, the dog, the, the puppy right next to him with the little blanket. Ooh, I also liked when they took him before we see him in his secret apartment, when they put him, 
Did they put him on a pillow to carry him off the king yeah. or put yes. him on his throne? Yeah. Then they got a, a pillow for the puppy and put the puppy on that. So I yeah, love yeah. that. <laughs> the puppy got to be carted around too. What would this movie have been like if it were live action? I don't think it... Like Thief and the Cobbler, I don't think it can be is the thing. Because it's like a movie that's about the anime. Like... <sighs> Here's the thing. It's about animation, and so if you made it live action, it would so much have to be about like set design and shot angles and stuff like that rather than telling a story. Like it's And not just that it's an auteur piece. I don't know. That the story itself wasn't that deep. Like yeah. it's not that deep. So it's a lot more about symbolism than like a narrative. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you you could I don't think you could successfully capture the scale and the feeling it would and be the a different lot more feels, the, the different feels of the different levels and even the, the, the stark different feel of everything from the secret room to the, the different uh, vignettes of, of when he's at the top part of the kingdom before he goes there. And then the, the stark difference in the citadel and just all of that. I just, yeah, it's not like scale. you couldn't tell a story like this in, in live action. It's just like, why would you? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, it's an animated film that only really makes sense as animation. Cause that's like the point of it. I don't, they're like part of the point of it is, yeah, I don't know. It's, it would be so wholly different that it might as well be a totally different thing. If it were live action I is, wonder, I guess, kind of how I feel about it. I wonder if you use a very specific sort of, style if you could not capture the same energy but but make it feel as unique as this does in whatever medium that you choose so like maybe a a silent film because i think if you start relying on them speaking that's going to change the the feeling of the film of the film so if you go silent maybe that will encourage you know the director or whatever to to go for a feeling that takes advantage of that versus if, if you have them speaking, I think you'd have to flesh out the characters a bit more or yeah, I, I'm not sure. It, I think, yeah, like it'd be hard to make it feel as unique as it does within a live action medium uh, without some, some more thought to it. Let's go on to sound design and music. The production of the music is unusual in that Grimald left it entirely in the hands of Wojciech Kilar. Grimald gave no instruction as to what music he desired, nor was there any back and forth, but simply shared the movie with Kilar, who studied it carefully, then went to Poland, recorded it, and returned with the completed score, which was accepted unchanged. Wow. So, wow. Okay. Um, and he did a great job. The yeah. music sounds fantastic. Um, the... I mean, I noticed it a lot. One of the things that was most noticeable to me was when it got really intense as they were running away after being hidden by the statue of birds or whatever. And then they're chased by that museum guy or whatever. And like the music gets real intense pretty much on their way down to where they start going into the Citadel and stuff. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of moments where the music really stands out. And I mean, it's it's fantastic. It really adds to it, especially given how little dialogue there often is, the music can often really serve to tell you what the mood is when it's it's just scenery or it's or it's things with minimal movement or whatever. Yeah, like it, it's great. Uh yeah, um, favorite music part is the 
the scene with the robots theater and the guy changing that was the, also very good the switches to different musical styles and oh yes that was yes, that was yes. very cool so good yes Oh, you know, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, because that really stands out in my mind, too. Also, you know... Yeah, what did you... You, like, Valerie said something about, well, at least he's got good taste in music. Oh, the king? Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, and and the chase scene with the shepherdess and and the chimney sweep uh, running down the stairs. I'm like, boy, there's a lot of stairs in this kingdom. (laughs) But, yeah. And that also added to that, the whole scale of, of this. Because, you know, you just think... They're going to get to the bottom, but they (laughs) just never seem to, ever. It's a very vertical space. Yeah. Let's go on to the part that our podcast is named after. How's it hold up? Why does she have no waist once we see her in a wedding dress? Yeah, that was Like, she seemed, her proportions seemed totally fine. Yeah. For most of the movie, with whatever her, her regular dress was. But when she's in a wedding dress, she's like... So it's so she's so tiny. Ooh, thinking of our it. comparison to the Thief and the Cobbler, that's what they did to her in the in Yeah, the but other she one. just looks like that the whole time. <laughs> no, 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 I know, but that's it's like what what what's the deal? I can see if it's a comparison between how she would normally be versus how they make her to be. It was like a corset assumingly like assumedly sure. she's in a corset and that like modifies your body to be quote unquote prettier. Um, so I'm not as bothered by that. Um, yeah, that was my main note. Do you guys have anything? Um, the, the only thing that I, that I would say that I thought about afterwards is there aren't many women at all in this world. It's almost all male. So not much, um, female representation other than, again, who they damsel the whole time, the shepherdess, because she's always. Yeah, I think the first time that you see any other women is when they're in the Citadel. Yeah. And then that's which very you can also then say is like it's the patriarchy. You know what I'm saying? Like the king, the systems, the, the king and the systems he's created only elevates men as either police or aristocrats. So mm-hmm. there's some level of commentary there, and I I think I'd be more bothered by the lack of character for the shepherdess if the chimney sweep didn't also kind of not have a lot of character. That's fair. So yeah, I mean, she is damseled one hundred percent, but yeah, no, yeah. and 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 it, it doesn't bother me as much as some movies where the where she is more of a character and then gets damseled, I guess. And I would one hundred percent agree. I you know again, that's that's being kind of picky, but but reflecting, yeah. is there anything? Because yeah, it they. I wouldn't say, I mean, they're not the, they weren't the protagonists to me. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're, yeah, I mean, the the title was changed to the King and the Mockingbird. Like it, it reflects like, yes, we have the, the shepherd, shepherdess in the chimney sweep and that we have aspects that are based on that story, but it, it ultimately isn't so much about them as it is these two and like kind of just the greater world almost yeah yeah i mean they they rarely do things out of their own kind of ideas and volition besides running away uh and then when they run away they're like okay we'll just sit up here because it's nice because they're baby (laughs) like they don't know anything pretty much and so anytime something happens they call on the mockingbird and they've been in a gilded cage you could say and have only just now started to see the rest of the world and then to to uh save the chimney sweep the bird's like just say you'll marry him and we'll buy you some time and i'll take care of it 
Uh, and he, yeah, so it is the the Mockingbird and the King. And so I, I agree, like, character-wise, they are about the same level, the, the Shepherdess and the Chimney Sweep. Yeah. Also, just in terms of how it's held up, it's held up very well in that it is today regarded as a masterpiece of French animation. Um, and has been cited by Japanese directors Hayao Miyazaki and Isao Takahata as an influence. Wow. Um, Miyazaki oh. states that we were formed by the films and filmmakers of the 1950s. At that time, I started watching a lot of films. One filmmaker who really influenced me was the French animator Paul Grimal. Uh, and it was through watching Leroy at Le Osso. Le Osso. Something like that. Have you heard of the people talk about the bird? By Paul Grimaud, that I understood how it was necessary to use space in a vertical manner. Mm. For his part, Takahata states, My admiration towards Paul Grimaud and Leroy uh, has always been the same, probably because he achieved better than anyone else a union between literature and animation. The influence is also visible in the castle of Cagliostro, whose castle resembles the castle in The King and the Mockingbird. Mm. They discuss this at length in a documentary on the deluxe edition of the Japanese DVD, noting, for example, that they took frame-by-frame photographs of some sequences, such as the king elbowing the court painter aside, to be able to study how the animation was done. Yeah, wow. so this was a big influence on them, That's which is neat. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go on to our... Spoiler alert! Skip to... 57 minutes and 42 seconds. So the uh, original film didn't end quite in the way this one did. Uh, it ends with the bird taking a photo of the newlywed shepherdess and chimney sweep along with the ni- the king's dog, all of the bird's sons and others after the king is vanquished. Um, the, that description doesn't tell me whether or not the city still got destroyed. It might have. And then we just like followed them to another place and, and had that kind of happy ending. But that's not what the film we watched went with. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, like the, this, so there's the giant robot, the chimney sweep and the bird are stuck in the lion cage with, uh, the blind man and all the lions and tigers and panther and bear. Oh my. Uh, <laughs> And uh, they seem to be able to just let themselves out of the cages or someone does. I well, don't know. he so the the mockingbird gives a rousing speech about about like we've got to get free and there's a bunch of like sheep that you can eat and stuff, which there's not, not any, but OK. <laughs> I think it's the he, sheep or wolves. No, I guess no, sheep. he's talking no. about the sheep and that the wolves got to eat the sheep. And these lions are like, what wolves? Like, yeah. yeah. yeah so so he encourages them to break out. And so they break out and they go up up into the kingdom as as they pass some some um of the people who live down here. Uh the mockingbird keeps referring to the lions and stuff as also birds. And there's a lady at one point that's like, That's strange, that's not how I pictured birds to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just uh, wanna add one really which I think is a fairly important little detail, is one of the the reasons that the lions don't try to eat the um the chimney sweep and are sympathetic in trying to help rescue the shepherdess is because the shepherdess was supposedly was hurting and keeping all these sheep that the bad evil king took away and gave to 
to the wolves. So yeah, that's yeah. why they're they don't end rallying up rallying for the shepherdess, but against the king. Yeah, and and that's why they leave. They don't. At one point, they were going to destroy, were going to devour the chimney sweep, but now, like you know, I love it. The again, the the mockingbird tells this this tale of woe of this this the two young couple, but then makes the promise. The mockingbird is able to talk to the lions because he speaks lion. Yes, he he brings that up. <laughs> he uh, has many languages, but I guess lion is maybe also what panthers and tigers speak. I don't know. And bears, maybe. And maybe the bear bear was just along for the ride. I think so, honestly. (laughs) The bears Uh, seemed to really take to the blind, the the blind musician. It's true. He was like, he was like helping him at one point. Had his arm around him so much of the time and escorting him everywhere. I loved it. Um, So anyways, they all go up and, and to stop the wedding, um, and and they're doing a decent job of that. The robot gets brought out, um, and then like sh- the shepherdess and the chimney sweep and the king are all on top of the robot, and the chimney sweep and the and the king are fighting. And then the um, mockingbird like knocks out the guy who's controlling the robot, and then starts controlling it. And he's doing a terrible job and just destroying everything. The entire the, the the birds, by which I mean the lions and the tigers and everything, and the blind guy and presumably anyone else. That was around like kind of escaped the city as it's just being demolished um and and then uh at the end at the end of the film whole city is destroyed uh the robot kind of like slumps down or whatever the king like tries to do a, a a stabbing um when everyone's back is turned but is foiled by the arm of the robot that then like it basically just blows him away like he's team rocket um, <laughs> he just disappears um then then the robot then we go to the next day and we don't really see the chimney sweep and the shepherdess anymore. The robot's just kind of sitting there. That stupid child of the mocking bird is stuck in a cage again because he just can't he found like the one cage that wasn't destroyed in all of this carnage <laughs> and just went into it, I assume. Um but he's stuck in that cage and he kind of tumbles out of the wreckage and is like beeping, just want like wanting to help out of the cage. And the robot, which at this point is is not clear, but the insinuation seems to be that there isn't necessarily anyone still actually piloting this thing. So of its own volition, perhaps, it's up for interpretation. It reaches over and like pulls open the cage, lets the bird out. The bird like moves away and then the robot smashes the cage and then it ends on that shot. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's cool. Destroy the systems, man. Yeah, like it ultimately this movie does seem to not be about the chimney sweep and shepherdess like having their happy ending so much as it is about escaping and destroying cages. Like Uh, the city itself was a cage and was demolished. And similarly, the little cage that that stupid bird keeps going into is destroyed. So I think that is a a very thematically appropriate ending. The one thing that I wish that I had seen to really make it a, to really go with that in everyone's out of their cage is if we could have seen the people from the Citadel exit underneath the ground, like whether it, whether something that the, the robot was stomping through or destroying opened up something and you saw the people down there and, and a passageway for them up, that would have been nice. Yeah, we saw a lot of people leaving, but it's hard to say if. If it included the Citadel people or not. Yeah. And there was, a, in the escape scene, there was a darling kitten. Y'all want to tell oh, yeah, the oh little kitten? Oh, this Very darling. cute cat that all the lions and tigers and stuff, like, leave the cage. And there's, like, a, 
a tamer there or whatever who's like just like shivering in in fear as all of them pass him um and then they leave and then like a little baby kitten comes out and he like kind of decides that oh I can take I can take a little kitten and he like decides to start being mean to it and it's going to like whip it or whatever but then another like tiger or lion or whatever comes out and then he's all scared again and the little kitten like does a little like Pounce ferocious him. hop hop thing at him and he <laughs> runs away and it's good it's so great it's so good it's so good anything else here in spoilers yeah i guess the it's either cages or you know whatever the article was like what totalitarian systems or something the 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 cages can certainly be a metaphor for more than just cage. it's, it's a metaphor for oppression yeah you know uh yeah, like oppression does in it in and of itself creates cages for those who are oppressed. Yeah, and, and traps or like there you you may feel like you have control over the direction you are going, but it could just be towards something that is is detrimental to you. And the and, point is yeah. that you don't see it and you don't know. And it's worth noting that nobody besides the king benefits from this. Like one of the next highest up people is arguably the guy who's in charge of the the police. police. And he like keeps avoiding being like taken out by the king. But during the wedding, he is taken out. Like he ultimately, even he like can't get ahead oh, if the power structure decides that it doesn't want him anymore does it so he did he got got dropped yeah he the, got dropped king, yeah yeah oh, and I so didn't... it so it's kind of like not like necessarily we should feel sympathy for him so much as it's like no you, one is safe yeah it's like no one is safe and you like siding with the power structure because you think it's the only way to get ahead and and keep your head that only lasts as long as the whims of those that you serve allows it and as soon as they decide that they don't care about you anymore. Like you're not, you're not safe. So <laughs> don't like siding, siding with power isn't necessarily the smart move as much as you might try to tell yourself it is. Well, and not even ultimately, not even the King was safe because he was. Well, yeah, but the movie's about destroying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like Valerie said, that's kind of more about how it doesn't matter who it is that's in charge. It's the power structure. Exactly. It's only by destroying that power structure. Yeah. And like with what you said, I wasn't, there was a lot of carnage going on as far as the building. I, I mean, sorry, being destroyed by the robot. And I was like, geez, how far are they going to take this? Well, the whole way. And because I liked the commentary on that, like this has to be completely ripped down, destroyed because there's nothing good about this. I would like, I would like to take a moment and warn about a s- spoilers for a different movie. Spoilers about a movie that I watched yesterday. <laughs> Frozen 2. Oh my gosh. Which similarly has a lot that it wants to try to say about power structures and things that are created through those power structures that needs to be torn down, but ultimately waffles on following through with that message because it doesn't want to actually tear down this nice like city where the people live, even though the people like fled because they needed to. Arendelle. Arend- but Arendelle does not get destroyed. It gets saved, and it's like Magic's decided that that since she's helping out, it's fine. <laughs> and it's the the not the lack of clarity in that message and the attempt to like have 
uh, a clearly happy ending and to not have to really challenge the protagonists in any way um, compared to this movie that is like, yeah, I mean, we could have had a movie where the, they just depose the king and then they move into his place, you know? But that would be a very different message for the film to take. That's not what it's about. The whole thing has to go. Arendelle needed to go and they <laughs> yeah. needed to build a new place. Yeah, yeah because like, like... Arendelle was built on colonialism and killing natives to take their land. Like, it needed to go and they needed to make a new place that wasn't built on that exploitation. Yeah, because like you said, is the people that weren't, you know, didn't know about that past were safe. They had fled the city. Exactly. But yeah. And but this movie gets it and it destroys the structure that mm-hmm. is built on oppression. Mm-hmm. And now they, they've left and we don't see where they go, but hopefully they can build a new society that isn't built on awful systems like this. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be more self-determined. Yes. Anything else with spoilers? No more spoilers. Let's go on to our favorites and least favorites. What was your least favorite scene in the movie? Oh, man, I thought about this. Oh, uh, I will say it's in spoilers, and it's mostly to do with where you can tell the uh, shortcuts in animation were. Because honestly, like, story-wise, everything felt pretty tight. So for me, I think it's coming from the the focus of animation and, and where those corners were cut. But again, it doesn't like ruin the film or anything. And like you said, it's better to get it out there. So I'll go with that. And it's during the ceremony since just in the end, animation was pretty big. I guess similarly, I will go with, I think the scene with the lions went on longer than it needed to. And also some of the animation was super dodgy because of just the complete change in, in style for the newly added shots. I feel like that scene could have been tightened a little bit, and the animation should have been kept more on model with what was previously done, so that the inserts didn't feel so disparate. Overall, good scene, but yeah, I think that's where I would most prefer changes. So. You know, it's, and I don't know if I have as discerning of an eye as you all that I caught those, the the things that you all are talking about. So I think just for me, uh, and again, not that it was bad, just that it was boring to me is, is some of the scenes with the, the shepherdess and the chimney sweep went on too long. And especially when the chimney sweep, since both of them really didn't have any agency and needed help you know, for everything when the, the chimney sweep kept like putting his arms around her to kind of like to protect her, but he really didn't know what he was doing and he had to call on the mockingbird and whatever. So some of those just got kind of boring and repetitive and, you know, I could have done without them. Whereas, you know, when they're, they're fleeing again, they're, to me, they were just kind of a plot device to to move the story forward and I wasn't really attached to them. So I don't know, I, I guess just some of the scenes with them. Sure. Okay. What was your favorite scene? I think... I think I like the stuff on the water the most. Like, especially when they they go and they see the statue that is, like, a bunch of birds together. And just, like, the shimmering of the birds, the shimmering of the water and stuff. I don't know. I really liked it. 
There's a lot of good stuff in this movie. Though. There's a giant robot in it. So, of course, I love the giant robot stuff. It's good. I don't know. Yeah, it didn't have anything better to sway me. I'm not, like, super. It's it's all very interesting. I think I'm going to go... I don't think this is what, I, is what I was thinking, but I'll go with the uh, the thing that I said earlier, the robots... The band scene that was really good. Uh, it was it was the mostly the music, but it was like so good and fun to hear the transitions. Yeah, and and the animation plays a part in terms of like that thing that's like changing the music with the yeah yeah. It's really that was oh, I neat. I think I'll go with that one. And mine actually, I think is gonna is gonna mirror yours, um, Danica, because I loved when the birds formed the statue but again that shimmering of the water all of that that scene and a very close second is the little kitten pouncing twice it just, i just loved yes. it so much it was i'm glad you rewound it to, for us to see that again yes but um but no but it, it was just so much of this animation was just amazing you know in some ways just mind-blowing you know just like whoa what did i just see but again that i think I think that water scene and with the birds was just even the way the birds, you know, flew and just all of that was was really amazing. Who was your least favorite character in the movie? For me, the king. <laughs> the the paint king. The paint king, yes. Yes. I don't know though. I'm just right now ah. debating. I might dislike the original king more because he was so this isn't a word boringly um, arrogant. I mean, he was, he was, he, he just like did not much of anything and he was so arrogant. And then too is he was so, I don't know, duplicitous. I mean, especially with that poor painter that you thought, oh, he's praising and then nope, you're dead. Boom. Um, But then he liked the puppy and was good (laughs) to the puppy. So see, darn. So maybe it was painting. What if maybe it was painting King? Hmm. You can probably just say king too. Yeah, but king. I'll, I'll go with paint king. <laughs> paint king. Um, my least favorite is either the shepherdess or the chimney sweep. If I mm. have to pick the shepherdess, because she's arguably the most boring. At least the chimney sweep fights a little bit. And, mm. and he went to get the bird. Yeah, I liked his movements when. He yeah, went that's to, true. He had to do that. So he had I to think like slide down. Oh, and yeah. He had to like go so I think the shepherdess yeah. is the most boring. Well, so you her. know, well, gee, I might have to jump ship because I, hmm. Yes, no, maybe so. Oh, no. Let me think real quick. I'll stick with mine. No, overall, I just dislike the king. I think I'm going to stick with the king. Who is your favorite character? What is it? Lozo? <laughs> the Mockingbird. My, I really like the Mockingbird. I mean, you know, I overall like the Mockingbird, but almost what? Okay, here's mine: is the blind musician because Ooh. here's the thing: is he was such an inspiration and a little, you know, um, keeping the the whole little city in the citadel going, giving them hope, and then he he mesmerized all of the animals and was chilling with them, and yeah, and of course, I wish I had seen more of him after that, but. But yeah, I don't know. He was just, he was a chill dude. I liked him and I liked his music. My third favorite is the bear. 
Oh, you got top three. Yeah. I just love the bear. Yeah. My second favorite is is the blind man. My first favorite is the paint king. He makes the movie. <laughs> I know he sucks, but he's the most fascinating and fun to watch character in the film because he's an evil little psycho. Yeah. Like, and yeah, he is better than the original king also because the original king kind of has the the sort of mundane evil. Yeah. Like he is clearly stupid and like not necessarily actively malicious so much as like just doesn't care about anyone, including their lives. Yeah. Whereas the paint king is much more like actively, he seems like he gets really annoyed about a lot of things. Like he gets tired and like, I hate these things. And like, yeah, he's a good, he's a good villain. Mm. And he, the movie's called The King and the Mockingbird. He is the front billing one for a reason. This movie wouldn't be what it is without him. And so I think he's the best character in it, even if he's terrible and deserved what he got at the end. That's fair. I mean, that is fair. Yeah, and I agree with your pointing those differences that you pointed out, that the original King was just like, mon- it was like you said, a mundane evil. And he would have kept going and doing the same thing letting himself, like, be uh, given platitudes by his people until he decides that, like, oh, I don't like you or care about you and just dropping them. Yeah. Um, as opposed to the the Paint King, who at least had a goal and so was, was moving things along. But, but, yeah, I'm curious to know what would have been his next goal if he actually married the Shepherdess. I'm not sure. Yeah, interesting. I also liked his puppy, and I liked how his little puppy championed and the little birds. That was very cute, and we hadn't mentioned that, yeah, and it's very yes. cute. I mean, yes. that's spoilers, but whatever. No, it, the sh- puppy shepherds them way before that. Well, there is a, a, a better scene in spoilers. Sure, yes. That I love, yes. that makes me yes. think of, like, uh, yes. Alphonse Elric. Yes. With yes, the yes, cat yes. In, his, in his armor. It's very good. Um, Good puppy. Yes. Yeah, yes. If Tim Curry were in the dub of this movie, which I don't believe he is, who would he play? And why is it obviously the king? Yeah. <laughs> obviously oh, really? he would play the king? Yeah. Because he, he can the do. the blind man. I mean, no, that guy's really chill. And yeah. I don't think. Ch- when I think Tim Curry, yeah, I don't think, I don't think chill. chill. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying he couldn't do it, but that's not who I go to. Yeah. He could be the king. He can be just kind of the more like. Uh, kind of like evil with with the original king and yeah. then he can get more and more menacing yeah with yeah. the paint king oh so he's just doing the um like that's spoil you're pre- you're spoiling <laughs> right now <laughs> i'm gonna cut this bummer <laughs> darn yeah no <laughs> um yeah I but yeah worried. no i think he can play both of the kings very well and and I, I think he could do an interesting job bringing out the differences between them two and Menace. But That's yeah, fair. I mean, he seems like, like, definitely. Like, everyone else besides maybe the blind man is too boring for him. Um, and doesn't necessarily talk enough. He could be the Mockingbird, but I think he'd probably want someone who... I, why waste a good a villain voice, I guess, yeah. is what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. 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 He could be the Mockingbird. Yeah. He could be the Mockingbird, no, the blind man, I'm or who could be who the could Mockingbird? Be Robin Williams. Well, yeah. Well, before. Yeah, because yeah. this was made in wasn't it released? It in was released in 1980, so it was yeah. English release probably in the 80s. So yeah. yeah. Robin Williams. Yeah. 
And that would be, I would love that con. I would love Williams, yes, as the Mockingbird and uh, Tim Curry as the King. That would be imagine awesome. If John, if, uh, imagine if Robin Williams and Tim Curry were in a movie together. I'm making a joke because they are. Uh-huh. It's Fern Gully. They're, oh, they're both right, in Fern that's Gully. Right, that's right, that's right. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to <laughs> put their voices in the same. <laughs> Um, but I would agree, Tim Curry. I I love evil I'm, Tim Curry. Do you the have most. anything to expand on? I'm curious why you immediately thought of him being the blind man. I don't know. I just thought that it would be a fun. He a could fun little do part it. For him. Yeah, he could do it, and it'd be interesting. But I think like you have such a good villain here. Why not just give him the villain? That's fair. But I love I love a charismatic evil. Tim Curry. That's yeah. the best. And that's why he makes to me the best Long John Silver ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> okay, before you get off onto that too no, much, <laughs> let's go on to our Hold overall. On. Before, I just have to remind everybody the the uh the flying henchman that was just really delightful <laughs> oh we didn't even talk we didn't. about we brought them up briefly, we briefly mentioned oh, that. but oh, like we should have an animation that was so bizarre and weird we got to say this they yes. just flew around like bats they, yeah they looked like bats but they seemed to be humans how how they, they looked, did that they looked basically like the other police guys except that They're, they they had yeah really they, intricate and it's like ridiculous. even even more points than a normal bat wing but of these yeah. Yeah, these capes and they could fly and go everywhere. That's I loved it. So yeah, like I, I think they like I some of they... them flew away as the uh, uh, towards the end yeah. too. Oh, yeah, did they? I think okay. they came out okay. of a belfry or something. Something they, like yeah, that. They, and they like, were. What is this? This is great. <laughs> and they were hanging in cages. I thought that they were seriously. I thought, well, maybe when some of the people drop and he gets rid of some of them, they're in cages. No, they were just part of the police force hanging out in cages and then flew out of the cages. And jeez, it was, geez, it was yeah. so silly. Yeah. Let's go on to our overall consensus and what we would rate it. Um. All right. You always uh, go first, and yet sometimes you complain about it. I always complain. But about you, it. but you always choose to go first. I can't handle silence. <laughs> I have to speak. <laughs> Sounds like a you problem, my Aww. love. <laughs> um, okay. I say it with love. I would recommend it. It was, uh, it was interesting. It was, it was, it was, it was odd. It was something new, and, and I think as a, a a whole package, like it's it's worthwhile. I, I think yeah, I, it is rewatchable in that I think you could probably get more things out of it, uh, and and have the like at first you're, you, at least for me, it's like at first I'm like wow, what is this? I what do I think about this? And then I'm interested to go back and rewatch it to be able to take in more of either the music or the animation, get some details. Yeah, though. It's not like a favorite though. Like, it, it. I guess it's more thoughtful rather than mm-hmm. as entertaining as something like, I don't know, just like a, a a general movie that you would be get in the West. So I guess I will give it a three point seven five. Thank you for going first because I was kind of I was kind of waffling between a three point five and a and a four. So I mean, you said three point seven five. Uh, 
I I now, after having discussed it, I would say I would recommend it too. I don't know why I feel the need to say this disclaimer. I would not, I, I, I don't normally before we watch anything or do it very often, but I would not consume alcohol before you would watch this because <laughs> I don't think you would get it. Like, it's too mind-blowing. You'd be like, I don't know. Alcohol, no. Yeah. Other drugs? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I say I this is someone who hasn't ever done drugs. So. I know, I know, I know. So, yeah, but I, yeah, uh, I think you need to watch it with a clear mind is what I'm saying. But yeah, I, I agree that I would, I'd have to be in the mood, but I, but definitely it would be interesting to see it again and see what, what else I could, could catch. But yeah, I, overall, I did enjoy it. And, and I'm glad that we, we got to discuss it because there were so many things that were just, that were delightful, but then that were interesting, that were like bizarre, all of that mix. So I think I will also hit um, a, a 3.75 because it was it was good and there wasn't anything real problematic, you know, in how's it hold up. And it was interesting. And the only reason that, again, I'm not going to rate it higher is is really that watchability. I mean, I would, it would be interesting to watch again, but I'd have to be in the mood. It's not like I'd be like, oh, wow. Or something that I'm like, oh man, I want to watch this once a year or whatever, you know, whatever. It's, yeah. Yeah, I'll give it, I think I'll do a 3.75 also. And I think for similar reasons as you were saying, mom, is that in on one sense, I kind of want it to be a four and that like, I feel like this is a movie you probably should see, but I just don't feel quite as strong about that as I have with some others. And it's, yeah, it's something that I need to be in the mood for, mm-hmm. but I like, I do like it. And I think Valerie's also right that a rewatch could really like bring out some more things about it that might make me even think higher of it. So for now, yeah, 3.75. It's a good film, um, and I, I pretty highly recommend it. Like, it's not that long, like an hour and a half. Um, check it out. Thank you all very much for listening. Next time, we will be watching two movies that are titled the same thing and are about the same thing because they lost the footage for the first one and thought that they wouldn't be able to get it back, and so they just made the movie again. So we'll be watching both of them. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, And they're Russian. Thank you all very much. Thank y'all so much. And please join us next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Love y'all. Bye. This has been How's It Hold Up with Danica Juarez and Jan James. You can find our podcast on Twitter at How's It Hold Up Pod. That's with each word capitalized and no apostrophe. Also, if you'd like to support us, we have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash user question mark U equals 2790566. Every little bit helps, and even with a minimum pledge, you get access to things you won't hear in our main podcast feed. Check it out for more info. The two pieces of music used in this episode were created by Kevin McLeod. You can find both The Curtain Rises and Cool Cats at incomptech.com. That's I-N-C-O-M-P-E-T-E-C-H.com. Both songs were licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. More info on that can be found at http colon slash slash creativecommons.org slash licenses slash by slash 3.0. Thanks for listening. Self-indulging.
Self-indulgent. Self-indulgent. Yes. Thank you. That's it. It's self-indulgent. Yes. Mindless self-indulgence.